Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Parenting for the Culture, and I am your host, Cherie Sims, mama to six beautiful heavens, ages 13, 11, 10, 7. And today my twins are five years old. Y'all, I have gone five years without getting pregnant and having more kids. I think we have made it. I think that officially people have kept asking me if I'm going to have more, and I have said no for five years, but I think in everyone's mind, including my own, there was a little bit of doubt, but I'm like, I'm sure it is done. We are good. We have made it five years. That is a great age. Side note, for those of you who don't know, they say that when you space your children out more than five years apart, it is like raising only children. Like they are just so far in development that they're not necessarily raising, you know, growing up together in the sense that like having multiple children is the same. But anyways, that's not even what I'm here to talk about today. I'm just pumping myself up for my last round. Going out with twins is fantastic. We will have no empty nest syndrome. That's that's the weird expectation that probably won't come to fruition at all. But they're they're cute and they're here and they're five. And I don't know how much you guys know about me personally, but these babies were born 12 weeks early. And so to see them here at five years old is just a beautiful blessing that I'm more than grateful for. And if you listen, you know that I like to start with the peak and pit of my day. And I will definitely hands down say that the peak of my day is that it is their birthday. They are here and they're doing well. Um, and, And like I said, I'm just so grateful for them and grateful for all of the fun and joy that they bring into our home. And the pit of my day is also that it's their birthday. (laughs) Not in the sense that, you know, I don't love birthdays and their birthday, but just as a working mom, I am someone who loves tradition, right? And for 13 years, I've had the tradition of on birthdays, we will have family dinners. And at the hour that my children were born, we will sing happy birthday because they are officially a year older and we'll play games and, you know, make it a night. And this is not necessarily their birthday party. This is just family coming together to celebrate. And this is the first night and the first time in 13 years that I will not get to have dinner with my children on their birthday. So you know that the mom guilt is getting me strong. But I do want to say that this seems to be a recurring theme in several like mom groups that I'm a part of. A lot of moms recently have been expressing this pull between like family life and work life. And sometimes these big events come up and we are pulled in a different direction and we do have a lot of guilt around it. And I just want to say that like you are not alone. You are not alone. I am not alone. We are not bad moms. Uh, We show up for our kids and show out for our kids all the time on a consistent basis. And if you need the reassurance, because really I'm just giving it to myself and y'all are just here to hear it. (laughs) But it is not about always being there. You know, we put that expectation on ourselves that we are going to be at every performance and every graduation and every practice and all of the things all the time that we single-handedly are going to do that and work full-time and have a passion project and keep our house clean and have clean underwear. And anytime we fall short of any of those things, we 
really shame ourselves and guilt ourselves. And I think that for some reason we think everybody else is doing it and we are not meeting the bar. But I want to let you know that all moms have a moment where we cannot make the graduation. Literally, like talk to any mom. Talk to any mom that has a child that's like at least five years old, okay? Give them like the first five years to miss a milestone or or a graduation or something major. And it is hard, but as an educator, I will say that I have watched hundreds of children who have had a bunch of performances, birthdays, big moments. And I have seen several children that have parents that are able to come to all of them. And I've seen several children whose parents are not able to make all of them. And some of the children whose parents can't make these milestone moments or the birthdays, uh, some of these children are thriving in life, right? They're happy children, socially, emotionally intelligent, great academics. And then some of these children are children who are not doing so well and, you know, show attention seeking behavior. And I think that every time as parents, we have to miss something, we are worried that our child is on a straight path to therapy as an adult, right? Like, I miss their graduation. They're going to be in therapy. They're never going to forgive me. And we get overwhelmed and feel so guilty about how this impacts them. But I can tell you firsthand as an educator that the children whose parents miss events but always have the support that they need, they are okay and they are thriving. It is not the presence of the parent at every single milestone event that makes a child whole, happy, and healthy. It is the consistency in showing up for your child. So more so than the graduations, it's those story times at night, or it's those hugs in the morning, right? It's the how was your day? More than Uh, the birthdays, and I'm not saying miss their birthdays, like, and get straight that I did do birthday stuff with them three times today. (laughs) Showed up at their school, we did a birthday breakfast, we did a birthday afternoon thing. But still, it's not the birthday dinners, you know, the traditional birthday dinners every year without fail. It's the making sure that I'm approachable when they need me. It's making sure that I'm a safe space when they're sad. It's making sure that they feel comfortable around me and have trust in me and faith in me that they can talk to me with their problems, right? So this isn't even what today's episode was supposed to be about. But like I said, we were going to have a little therapy session because that's where I'm at. And because I've been talking to other moms, I know that I'm not alone And I just want you to know that if you are a mom who is missing something in your child's life, just talk to your child. Make sure that they are processing it in a way where they understand that it's not that you don't love them and you're not showing up for them, but, you know, life, life be life in. And then take the time to connect with them outside of these moments and find out what ways they want to connect with you. That's the peak of my day and my pit of my day. That took a minute today. Today's episode is actually about traveling. We are getting ready to head into our summer season and schedules are about to change. And most likely we have some vacations in mind or staycations in mind. We are either getting ready to put our children on planes, buses, boats, trains. I don't know all the things. And we're either dreading them or not realizing all the things that go into them. Uh, So today I want to give you a few things to think about when getting ready to travel and when traveling. And I want to give you a few tips and suggestions that you can take with you to try to make traveling easier. 
So I want to start with three main points to think about when thinking about traveling, and that is sensory, stimulation, and regulation. When I talk about sensory, I literally mean thinking about your five senses. Your children have been in a routine of waking up in the morning, going to the same place, whether that is home, if they homeschool or daycare or school. But all of these places that they go, they're pretty routine and on schedule and going to these places. So everything that they're hearing, everything that they're seeing, everything that they're smelling, everything that they're touching, and most of the foods that they eat are all of the same. So their five senses are usually pretty consistent day in and day out. And when we travel, we start to mess with those senses, right? We're seeing new things. We're hearing new sounds. We're smelling new smells. And sometimes these things are kind of off in the distance, so we don't even realize how they're affecting our child. But know that all of these little adjustments, even if it's just being in an airport that's, you know, smells like luggage, is super busy, has bunch of people talking and racing around and 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 it's interesting especially for our children who are sensitive to sensory um stimulations is like even the sound of luggage rolling on the ground that might be something that we ignore but it can be something that may be over stimulating your child right so i'm just sharing this because it's something to keep in mind is realizing that if I'm traveling and I'm dealing with challenging behavior with my child, it could potentially be that they are overstimulated from the amount of sensory processing that's happening around them. What can we do about this? Um, We can do things that kind of fight the sensory stimulation. So if you see that your child is getting overstimulated, sometimes having things like headphones or a playlist with you where they can listen to calming music or even traveling is one of those times, y'all, that I will say, have your devices. Download the movies, download uh, the Peppa Pig, whatever the show is, something that's kind of going to allow your child to not have so many things going on outside of them, but kind of allow them to focus in on one space where all of the senses and stimulation that's going on around them isn't going to feel so overwhelming. So make sure that you have those headphones Make sure that you have the music. Make sure that you have pre-downloaded whatever shows you feel comfortable with them watching because you don't know when and where you're going to have service or reception. So do not rely on Wi-Fi when you're traveling, right? Pre-download these things. Plan for this trip in advance. In terms of sensory, when we're talking about taste, also make sure that you have some of their favorite snacks with you because you don't know where you're going if they're going to have food that your child is willing to eat. If you have waited too long and your child is hangry, they might not want to try anything new or anything like that. If you're like me and you have a child with food allergies, finding food that they're not allergic to is very hard on the road. So again, pre-plan these things. Make sure that you have snacks that they're excited about. I don't know what everybody else is going to tell you, but when it comes to traveling, these are one of those times, just like with the devices, when it comes to snacks, these are those times I'm going to have fruit snacks. I don't do fruit snacks every day. I don't like how they stick to the teeth. I don't like the sugary snacks, but like I'm going to have some fruit snacks on the trip because I need something that they're excited about. I need something they can take out one at a time and eat slowly. It's going to carry on for a little while. I'm going to have popcorn because they like it, but maybe not in the car because I hate popcorn mess in cars. But have their snacks that they like, that they're excited about, that can kind of snap them out of their hangry moods and allow them to 
regulate their body, right? So we talked about sensory stimulation and regulation. Now, on the subject of snacks and helping that regulate your body, you want to plan to eat a lot. (laughs) Traveling will make children eat more than they usually do when you're at home. And I think a lot of times when we are traveling, we compare our travel to home and we're like, uh, if you were at home or you were at school, you would not have asked to eat this many times or you would not be hungry again. But I want you to remember that they are being overstimulated with a bunch of new senses and things going on. And it takes the body energy to process all of the new things that they're seeing, hearing, smelling, feeling, right? So it takes the body more energy to travel and to do these things. So we have to continuously be putting more energy into the body. And we do that through snacks and have the bananas, have the oranges, right? Have the healthy snacks that have the nutrients and vitamins. Because another mistake that we often make is we give our children foods that are lacking in nutrients. And we do this not even with travel, just on a regular basis. We give children foods that don't have a lot of nutrients and their body is going to continuously say, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And what the body is actually saying is, I need nutrition, I need nutrition, I need nutrition. This is for adults too. Uh, We fill our bodies with food and that only sustains us for so long because what our body is really looking for is nutrients to turn into energy that we can use to help us regulate our mood, to help us manage our behavior, to help us think straight and all of these things. So yes, I'm okay with popcorn and I'm okay with fruit snacks, but also I'm going to have bananas or a protein shake, something to make sure that my children are also getting those nutrients because their body is going to need nutritional energy going into their body because they are using so much energy on these travel and on these trips. Another thing that I want you to think about when it comes to trips, so We covered sensory stimulation, regulation. We covered snacks, making sure that you are equipped with snacks, making sure that you are prepared to snack often, right? I noticed that when I'm traveling with my six children, the moment somebody starts to get cranky or sleepy or tired, like if I throw a snack at them or offer a snack at them, we usually get a better mood within five to 10 minutes. And this is not me encouraging unhealthy eating habits, right? This is us traveling and meeting our needs and doing what we need to do to make the travel best for us and easiest for us. Black Beyond Measure honors and elevates Black creators, artists, entrepreneurs, and others in the Black community. Target holds the community front and center, supporting their products, ambitions, and efforts, and people behind them, encouraging them to thrive. We all know that parenting can be stressful, But that's why it's important to find these moments to embrace the soft life and find that inner glow. We are our children's greatest teachers, and taking care of ourselves also teaches them how to take care of themselves. Finding time to slow down is important, and it can look different for everyone. Maybe for your family, it's a puzzle you all do around the dinner table. It can be as simple as a group walk around the neighborhood. For my family of eight, it's going to our library of poetry and letting everyone enjoy a little moment by themselves. For me, I like a cup of iced coffee in our library office. Showing my children that mommy needs a quiet moment empowers them to take moments for themselves and feed their inner glow. And when our inner glow is fed, we can show up for others. I love how the podcast has become a resource for others on their parenting journey and has built an amazing community 
for all of us seeking to better raise these tiny humans. Raising the best humans is all we aspire for as parents, with the hope that they'll go out and do good in the community. And our friends at Target understand what it means to invest, uplift, and celebrate community. Learn more at target.com forward slash black beyond measure. All right, friends, let's talk about best travel times. So I know that in the past, for me as a parent, I've always heard that you should take the red eye. And we know that people say take the red eye because your child is going to sleep the whole time. I challenge that a little bit. I think if you have done that and it works for you, fantastic, continue to do it. One thing that I have noticed for myself is that the red eye is not always the best option because I'm only thinking about the actual flight time and trying to sync up the flight time to my child's sleep. What has happened, though, is that the actual travel time, like to get in the car, get to the airport, get out of the car, get to your terminal, is a little bit miserable because I have scheduled it during the time where my child has already utilized all of their energy for the day, all of their ability to manage their body and their emotions. And I really need them managing themselves well in this transition process, especially walking through airports and different terminals and baggage check and security lines and all of that. And they are already exhausted by the time we get there. So now I have children who are like on this nasty airport floor because they're too tired to actually get through the checking to get to the terminal. So I don't always love red eyes for that reason, because the actual traveling to and from the flight is miserable. And then, you know, depending on where you're traveling, once you get to your destination, you have the same thing. You're like waking them up mid-sleep to try to go get to the baggage, to re-get your stuff, to get to the hotel and all of those things. So sometimes those red-eye flights don't work well for me personally. I know that they do still work for people, but I want to share that so it's something you consider. What I have noticed for myself and even, you know, different articles that I have read works well is if you plan for a late morning or mid-afternoon travel time. And what this does is it allows you to catch the times where a child still has energy, focus, capacity, mentally, physically, emotionally, to make it through all of the pre-travel to travel activities that have to happen, right? Whether you're on the road or in a, on a flight, you still have things that you have to do to actually get to the departure, right? <laughs> and we forget about all of the things that we have to do. I've heard a comedian joke about the fact that when you're single and you got to go, it's just like you get up, you put on your shoes and you leave. When you have children and you have to go, it's you get up, you call children five times, you ask them to put on their shoes 10 times, you lose a child on route to the car, you got to get a snack and all these things. So just getting to the car in your driveway takes 30 minutes, right? So we want to account for these things when we're traveling because traveling usually even for us takes energy, thought, causes stress. And so to make it as peaceful as possible and as stress-free as possible, one, plan for all of these things, right? Like plan that it's going to take you a little bit to get to the car. Plan that it's going to take you a little bit to get out of the car and to get the bags out of the car. But also plan to do it at times where a child can actually manage these things. Like we don't want to be stressed out when our children fall out and fall apart and then we're mad at them 
for something that they really have no control over. So I love late morning travel, early afternoon travel, when they have the ability to actually get through these things in a pleasant attitude and cooperative behavior. Um, And then by the time we get the actual traveling, whether that be on the flight or in a car, now it's their nap time, right? So we've done all of the motion parts and moving parts when they had energy to do it. And now it's the sitting part, the time when they're usually like, are we there yet? How much longer is it? How many more hours is it? Now is the time where they start to fall asleep and can actually sleep through the flight and still wake up at the end of the flight or the end of the road trip in a way where, again, they have energy and capacity to be able to help you. This is especially for people who have more than one child, right? Not even like me, like you don't even have to have six children. But once you have more than one child and your hands are occupied with children and now you've got bags on top of that, like these are modes where you really need your children to help you in traveling by being able to walk themselves or manage themselves where you're not having to pick them up and trying to pick up baggage and trying to talk to a flight attendant or whoever else is around the way. So consider that when you're traveling, considering making your departure time late mornings or early afternoons. And if red eye has been working for you, then continue to do the red eye. Another thing that I love to do with my children, and I learned this really as a teacher, is to talk about safety tips before we're traveling. So a lot of times before we're traveling, you all know that I love to prep a child for what things are going to look like. And I love telling them, you know, we're going to drive to the airport. Once we get to the airport, we're going to get out. We're going to get our bags. Then we're going to check in. These are the people we're going to meet at check-in. Then we have to go through a line where it's security check. You walk through a little bloop bloop thing and they're going to see, they're going to detect and look for different possessions on you. I'll even let my children know, like, I'm going to take my shoes off. You're not going to have to take your shoes off. So you get the point. But I like to kind of tell them every step of the way what it's going to look like so that they know what the expectation is. A lot of times we forget to prep our children in this way and they in their mind have this image that we're just getting in the car and then we get on a plane. Right. And there's like 40 minutes to an hour and a half between the car ride and the actual plane that they had no expectations for. And this can make it very rough for us as parents. So I love to prep my children on what all of that is going to look like so that we don't have all the questions in between or we don't have the frustrations of like, I thought we were getting on the plane now. Where's the plane? When are we getting on? Right. And in those preparations, I also like to talk to them about safety. Now, I don't know if this is teacher me that is a little bit neurotic and scared of always losing a child somewhere. I don't know if this is mom me, but I think we all have that fear that when we're in large spaces, especially spaces where there's like lots of movement happening, we worry that our child may get misplaced for a moment or a long moment. And so for this reason, I tell my children about safety in terms of if for some reason they get separated, you know, make sure that they know my name. This is an important thing. We've talked about it in a different podcast episode, but making sure your children know your name. A lot of times, children know you as mommy and daddy. And when somebody say, what's your mom's name? They say mommy. So make sure your child knows your name, your first and last name. Make sure they know their last name. Make sure they know your phone number. And I tell people, teach your child a phone number in a song, right? Pick a song that your child already knows take the words out and add your number to the tune of the song. They are going to memorize all important information this way. They can learn their phone number, their address, names, spelling of names, 
all through song. It's magical. So teach them, you know, how to get back to you. Teach them who they can actually trust in an airport who's safe. You know, who are the people that are security there? Who are the people that work at terminals? Again, this is something even when I'm taking my children on little field trips or trips to the library, I'll teach them where they can find people who are there to help them and help keep them safe. I tell them what features these people have, right? These people have badges with their names on it and a picture on it. These people are usually in uniforms and you can pull up pictures and show them pictures of these things. And then when you get to these places, if you are traveling in an airport, when you get to the airport, if you are traveling by train, when you get to the train station, if you're listening to this episode and you're listening to it in terms of, yeah, we're just getting ready to go to a new museum or we're getting ready to go to a resort. Same thing in all of these spaces. The moment you get there, look for those people who are responsible for safety, for security, for support, and point them out to your children. Say hello to these people so that you're making connections with them. You're showing your child that they don't have to be afraid of these particular people point out where you find the badge, right? It's not just an adult that you want them to go to to get help. You want them to be able to go to a safe, trusted adult to get help. Another thing that you want to do is making sure that you guys are wearing bright colors. Anytime we travel, anytime you see a group of children on a field trip, you'll notice that they all have like matching bright t-shirts. You can do the same thing with your family right? You don't have to all be matching for the sake of cuteness and photo ops. You can actually all wear bright colors to make sure that each of you are visible to each other. Research says that yellow is the best color to wear when you're out. This is for both parent and child. It makes you more visible to the child. It makes the child more visible to you so that you are able to keep an eye on each other and stay close to each other. You can also turn it into a game. Like recently, we took a group of children out on a walking field trip to the farmer's market. And before leaving, we said, this teacher is the mama duck. Do you guys know what baby ducks do? They always follow behind the mama duck. Let's practice. I'm going to be the mama duck. You be the baby duck. And then you do a few little like swirly loop-de-loops to make sure that your children are on you, following you where you need to go. And you play the mama duck game all throughout the travel, right? So that they are right on you and they're following you. If you have older children, These are those times that I would definitely tell my older children, we're not turning on our phones or taking our phones out until we get onto the plane. Why do I say this? Because for older children, teenagers, they can get very involved in their phones and just not be paying attention to anything else that's around them. So I set that up before we even leave, right? Either I'm holding onto your phones or your phones are in your backpack. Typically, I will let them keep their phones on them. Again, that's for safety, because if for some reason we do get separated, something happens, I want to be able to do find my phone, find my child, (laughs) and I want them to be able to find my mom or call me or whatever's needed, right? So I will let them keep their phones, but their phones are going to be away because I want them looking up. I want them paying attention. Um, Again, when it comes to safety, like I'm all for age appropriate safety. So with the child, it looks like stay close to me. Here are the people that can help you. For my older children that have already been given the lesson, here are the people that can help you stay close to me. I also add on, here's what to look out for, right? Like I have talked to my teenager and even my preteens about sex trafficking. Like I have introduced them to that concept 
it is something that happens in airports, especially y'all know my oldest daughter recently did international travel. So we do talk about that safety and what to look out for, what to be aware of, what to notice so that you keep yourself safe. And to be able to do that, your phones need to be away because you need to be present and aware of what's going on around you. Another thing I do is I take pictures of my kids on the day of before we leave. This is just in case I lose them. Y'all might think I'm paranoid, but I do this because if I lose them, I want to be able to tell every security guard exactly what they looked like on that day. Here's how their hair was. Here's what they're wearing. Here's their shoe size. Another thing to do is you want to make sure your children know your number, but also you can put it somewhere on them. Write it on a tag in their clothes or in their clothes or in a pocket. Give them a little business card, put it in their pocket, write it in their shoes. I read something that said shoes are usually the last thing that, God forbid, if something, you know, if someone takes your child, shoes are usually the last thing that are switched out. So if you have information in their shoes, you know their shoe size, what kind of shoe they're wearing, this is like the safest thing that you can practice to protect your child and your family. And for me, honestly, the greatest protection that this is, is just my stress level. I've never lost a child anywhere when we're out. I have never had a bad experience while traveling in that sense. But for me personally, as a mom, it just eases my stress levels in like worrying and wondering where they are every second and making sure that they are like right up on me. There are a few things that I want to talk about. I'm going to give you a couple of quick ones. I'm also going to share the rest of these in my Parenting for the Culture podcast club. So if you're not a part of it, head over there where I can give you more tips and tools. Because when we're traveling and we have young kids, we also have these things like car seats, right? Just these giant extra pieces of luggage that we do or do not want to take with us. And there are ways around this, right? Some flights, some rental cars, some hotels provide things like car seats, strollers, play pens, cribs. So check these things out before you're traveling to see if they have them, if they can provide them to make your travel easier for you with less to pack, especially when you already have all these kids coming with you, right? Or even just one kid. Secret, y'all, one kid is just as hard as six kids. People are always like, you have six. I don't know how you do it. One is harder. (laughs) I don't know why, but one is always harder. You need just as much like it's always you still need all the things. So check out what your destinations have to help you with, what your rental companies have to help you with. If you are planning a vacation and you can do an all-inclusive resort, that is like the best. Or if you can get a place that has a kitchen when you have children, this is phenomenal. But I want you guys to start thinking about these things. And again, I'm going to add more in the Parenting for the Culture Club. I also am going to add their things on how to actually make the actual flight easier. Things like thinking about earplugs and chewing gum for your children when their ears start to pop on the flight and they're screaming, right? Like what can we do to ease that? So head over to the Parenting for the Culture podcast club so you can get those extra tips and tools and resources. And for your homework, I want you to make sure that you are planning ahead. I want you to make sure that you are giving yourselves enough time to plan and execute a fun and stress-free or low-stress level travel. And by planning ahead, I don't even mean in a month we're going to take a vacation, I'm going to plan all the things. I also mean giving yourself enough time in the actual travel. So remember that as adults, we're used to traveling and it takes X amount of time. For every child that we have, add about two hours to that travel time. 
(laughs) So if you have one child or two children, add a couple of hours to that travel time to give space for potty breaks, snack breaks, an untied shoe. Uh, and I don't want to go there. I want to I saw a Mickey Mouse in the window and I want to go check it out. Right. All these little junctures and interceptions where we need to give ourselves a little bit more time so that we don't have to drag kids through the airports, through the hallways to make it to our destination on time so that we can as much as we can enjoy the travel time and have a good time and have the emotional, mental capacity to show up as the parents we want to show up as. So as always, I thank you guys for tuning in. I love connecting with you guys here, and I love connecting with you over at the Parenting for the Culture podcast club. You can find the link right here in our show notes, or you can find it in my bio at Sheree Sims on Instagram. And if you guys have any questions, always send them in. You can send them in to podcasts with an S at blacklove.com, or you can DM me on Instagram at Sheree Sims. We want to hear from you. We want to support you and answer whatever questions you have. And if I cannot answer them, I will do my best to find the answer or find someone who can answer them for you. So come back next week, bring a friend, and I'll meet you guys here if I don't see you in the podcast club before that. Peace, everybody.